Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar series, Caring for Individuals with Alzheimer's Disease and Related Dementias. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live in the fall of 2015. This webinar series is presented by the Lewin Group in collaboration with Community Catalyst and the American Geriatric Society and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care to Medicare Medicaid enrollees, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts, please visit resourcesforintegratedcare.com. In this podcast, Dr. Chris Callahan, Director at the Indiana University Center for Aging Research, will explore the background and presentation of Alzheimer's disease. Uh, Thank you very much, and good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. I think uh, what might be helpful to frame our discussion is for us to talk about a case study, and I imagine this presentation will be fairly familiar to all of you. So... Imagine that you're seeing a 70-year-old man. Uh, He's brought in by his daughter. And um, maybe you have three or four people in the waiting room, and you've been caring for this man for a number of years for hypertension and heart disease. And he tells you he has no complaints and that he's feeling well and he has no difficulty with his medications. You have your hand on the doorknob. And his daughter uh, says that, wait just a minute, because she's concerned that her dad is forgetting to take his medications. And he recently damaged his car when he was attempting to pull in the garage. And as you learn more from the daughter, you hear that it's been a gradual progressive decline in his short-term memory. Um, his functioning has also been declined, uh, declining over the past year. And she says she now has to help him with his taxes and help him pay his bills, and she's, he's forgetting his appointments. And you do a physical exam and a mental status exam, which are normal, uh, but you notice that he has decreased insight into his cognitive complaints and maybe some poor judgment. And you complete a mini mental state examination, and you find a score of 22. So the question that we hope we're going to help you address today is, what do you think is wrong with the patient? And what are the next steps, if any, that you need to take with regard to further testing? And then what guidance are you going to give the patient and his family? So let's look at a few definitions first. Dementia is a decline in memory, language, problem-solving, or other cognitive deficits that affect a person's ability to perform their everyday activities. A few things that we should point out in that first bullet is that dementia is more than memory loss. Uh, We're looking for memory loss and impairment in some of these other areas before we make a diagnosis of dementia. And sometimes you'll hear us summarize that dementia is a decline in cognitive function from a prior level of functioning. And it has to be severe enough to impair social functioning. 
And there's a few key points there. If someone scores poorly on the mini mental status exam, but they've had lifelong cognitive impairment, that is not a decline in their cognitive functioning or may not be. And when we talk about social functioning and everyday activities, that doesn't mean activities of daily living like so many of you are, are uh, familiar with, uh, like toileting and other basic activities of daily living. It's um, social functioning, things like paying your bills and um, managing your home and the types of things that we need to do to live independently. So dementia is caused by cell death in the brain. That's how we think about it now, that neurons are actually dying and they stop functioning. And the parts of the brain that are impaired first are those that deal with um, short-term memory. And um, we uh, believe that Alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia. But on the next slide, we're going to talk a little bit about that. If you trained many years ago, like uh, over 10 or 15 years ago, this slide shows you some new concepts about dementia. We now understand that, develop, that dementia develops insidiously, and it's over decades, not just over years, and that the pathology, the cell death, that's eventually going to lead to a clinical presentation, that's been going on a long time before the symptoms show up. So if you take a look at this diagram over on the right side of the slide, um, uh, try to uh, find the brown line. It's the one you can find easiest by looking at the right side of the slide, and it's kind of at the bottom. That brown colored line, that is the time course for the functional impairment when someone presents to you because they're really having difficulty with um, living independently. If you look right above that, you see the green line, and that shows you that the cognitive deficits probably started before the functional deficits. And then all these other pretty colored lines are, are various biomarkers that are under study right now. And it's very clear, particularly if you look over at the left-hand side of the slide, that these biomarkers, which we believe are indicators of neurons dying, um, that's been going on for decades ahead of the symptoms. So a lot of the research and a lot of the interest in medication and in prevention, which you'll hear about later um, in our talk, is moving up to that pre-symptomatic and mild cognitive impairment stage with the hope that if we intervened early, we might be able to prevent some of the functional decline. The last thing we want to say on this slide, the third bullet, is that while we still believe Alzheimer's disease is the most common cause of dementia, increasingly we see that people often have mixed pathology. Um, and that mixed pathology is primarily Alzheimer's disease pathology and vascular dementia. The next slide, we're taking a look at the main subtypes of dementia. Um, sometimes your patients will be confused about the difference between Alzheimer's disease and the word dementia since they're kind of thrown around as um, synonyms. But of course, Alzheimer's disease is just one of the causes of dementia. I mentioned earlier that we have vascular dementia, but there's also Lewy body dementia 
and frontotemporal dementia. And we think of Alzheimer's disease as presenting initially with the short-term memory loss. This is going to be the prototypical uh, patient. We have other patients, though, that they or their family might say the biggest issue is language impairment, maybe difficulty finding a word or instead of naming an object, you talk about the function of an object. It's not a watch. It's that thing that you keep time with, for example. Other people have trouble with executive um, functions, such as being able to plan or to imagine how they would plan to be at their appointment. And these are the folks that are going to have vascular risk factors like hypertension and hyperlipidemia. Then we have Lewy body dementia that one of the key hallmarks is uh, hallucinations. That these folks may also have visual spatial impairment and they um, may present with features of Parkinson's disease. But the key is that the cognitive impairments usually happen before the motor impairments. And a very difficult uh, um, form of dementia is frontotemporal dementia. And these are the patients that are presenting with a change in the personality. And sometimes it's going to be a change that is embarrassing to the family or um, the uh, patient is inappropriate in social interactions. Remember, though, if someone presents to you late in the um, course of the illness, you are going to have a difficult time distinguishing the subtypes because they begin to merge together. So what about mild cognitive impairment? Because we said we wanted to find this earlier. Um, and this is still a, a clinical diagnosis. This is the patient that comes to you with subjective memory complaints, but there is no impairment in function uh, or um, uh, difficulty with their social functioning. I've put a very long um, couple of uh, sentence there that comes from the references you see, but the key in this um, sentence is that this is inherently a clinical judgment. Is it MCI or is it dementia? And when I say clinical judgment, I don't mean that the clinician alone is trying to decide. This is an area where you really need the input of an informant. Um, that informant that's with the patient every day that might be able to see these more subtle uh, declines in a um, person that you could then subjectively say was a significant interference in their ability to function and work or in their usual activities. <clears throat> risk factors uh, then, age is far and away the biggest risk factor. The good news is you have to have a long life uh, uh, to be at risk for dementia for most people. Of course, there are uh, unfortunate patients that develop Alzheimer's disease in their 40s and 50s, but far and away the biggest risk factor is growing old. Of all of the people with dementia, about a third of them are over the age of 80. Other risk factors are low educational attainment, family history, and then cardiovascular um, morbidity. Another thing is that um, over half of the people with um, Alzheimer's disease are women. Uh, this is partially because women um, live longer, but um, as I show talk about these risk factors then, you can begin to reflect back on the case that we presented um, and think about the um, risk factors and the symptoms that that person was uh, presenting with. 
Just a little bit on clinical epidemiology. There's already about 5 million people with dementia. There's going to be a whole lot more in 2050. And that whole lot more is going to be a bunch of us. Um, worldwide, it's one of the leading causes of disability. It's a major contributor to health care cost. And most of the people diagnosed with dementia are going to die within five years. But remember, most of them were over the, 80, over the age of 80 to begin with. And so we have a lot of people dying with dementia as opposed to dying from dementia. So what's going on in primary care? Um, we hear a lot about what primary care isn't able to do with regard to chronic conditions. And we believe a lot of these problems have to do with the way primary care is designed. So most people with dementia have other chronic conditions that the primary care team is um, trying to deal with. Primary care is not well designed, it's not well funded to identify or care for people with dementia, and those new care models um, are relatively new to begin with. What's difficult is that to give best practice care for dementia, it often requires you to redesign the practice setting. Some people say re-engineer, uh, but it is a very purposeful attempt to align your practice with the idea that you want to do case finding and care management for people with dementia. So let's look at some of the uh, typical barriers. Let's just say you're a primary care team and you have about 2,000 patients. Well, right off the bat, only about 300 of them are going to be over the age of 65. Um, of those 300, half will have another three or more chronic conditions, lots of things to deal with. So the doc already needs 10 hours a day, maybe another seven hours a day to provide preventive services. That doesn't happen, and that's why we move to team-based care. Uh, we have, um, therefore, about, say, two dozen people in my panel that have dementia. And um, that's kind of hard to make the case to redesign my practice for those two dozen um, people. And then there are other barriers, like the patients themselves may not want to be labeled with a diagnosis of dementia. So I'm going to finish up with the last couple of slides, and then Dr. Gallick is going to talk to you a little bit more practically about um, making a diagnosis and doing an evaluation. But some basic principles here, some mile-high principles. Uh, this is a journey. Uh, it's a journey for the patient. It's especially also a journey for the caregiver. It's going to unfold over five to ten years, and the needs of that dyad are going to change over time. It is very difficult, if not impossible, to deliver best practices care if you don't have a family caregiver or a professional caregiver to work with. Most of what we're going to do is going to be funneled through that caregiver. Care for persons with AD is centered around the caregiver and the care recipient. So you're, there's a dyad presenting to your clinic, just like in our case. We have to organize care around teams for the reasons we already said, and um, care begins with an accurate uh, diagnosis. What did we mean by practice redesign? Well, um, 
we don't yet uh, screen older adults who don't have symptoms. It turns out that we don't have evidence that that's safer for patients. But we do do case finding. And case findings, just like we talked about with the case uh, that uh, we opened up with, you didn't screen that person at, at, without symptoms. Symptoms were brought to you, uh, in this case by the daughter. So um, one way to redesign your practice um, is to say, if I do have a case finding, and we may in this particular case, what am I going to do? What's my practice going to do in terms of diagnosis, um, care, and um, referral? Here's just one example. Maybe use the Medicare wellness visit as an opportunity for um, case finding. You want to choose a case finding instrument that your practice is comfortable with and familiar with, and you and the rest of your team use it consistently and give it in the same way. Uh, Dr. Gallick's going to talk about uh, some examples of that. And then develop a protocol. Uh, case finding with an instrument like an MMSE is not a diagnosis. It's a way to find people that need an evaluation. You need to know what's available in your community. Maybe your practice is next door to an Alzheimer's disease center. Maybe it isn't. Um, and then remember that an important source of um, ongoing care that remains the responsibility of the primary care doc are the patient's other chronic conditions. And sometimes these chronic conditions may be more the proximate cause of a person's disability than the um, dementia. So there's a slide here that has the references uh, for m much of the material that um, I just covered. Um, the, um, we're going to uh, see more resources later on in the presentation. For more information about this webinar series and other resources, including videos and podcasts, please visit resourcesforintegratedcare.com and follow us on Twitter at integrate underscore care.